Chapter 32 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Ellison Pierce. Now that our good master has asked on our behalf and has taught us ourselves to ask for a thing so precious that it includes all we can desire on earth and has granted us the great favor of making us his brethren, let us see what he desires us to give to his father and what he offers him on our behalf and what he asks for us. For it is right that we should render him some service in return for such great favors. O good Jesus, since thou givest so little, that is to say, on our behalf, how canst thou ask so much for us? What we give is in itself nothing at all by comparison with all that has been given us and with the greatness of our Lord. But in truth, my Lord, thou dost not leave us with nothing to give, and we give all that we can. I mean, if we give in the spirit of these words, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Thou didst well, O good master, to make this last petition, so that we may be able to accomplish what thou dost promise in our name. For truly, Lord, hast thou not done this, I do not think it would have been possible for us to accomplish it. But since thy father does what thou asks him in granting us his kingdom on earth, I know that we can truly fulfill thy word, by giving what thou dost promise in our name. For since my earth has now become heaven, it will be possible for thy will to be done in me. Otherwise, on an earth so wretched as mine, and so barren of fruit, I know not, Lord, how it could be possible. It is a great thing that thou dost offer. When I think of this, it amuses me that there should be people who dare not ask the Lord for trials thinking that his sending them to them depends upon their asking for them. I'm not referring to those who omit to ask for them out of humility because they think themselves incapable of bearing them. Though, for my own part, I believe that he who gives them love enough to ask for such a stern method of proving it will give them love enough to endure it. I should like to ask those who are afraid to pray for trials, lest they should at once be given them, what they mean when they beg the Lord to fulfill his will in them. Do they say this because everyone else says it, and not because they want it to be done? That would not be right, sisters. Remember that the good Jesus is our ambassador here, and that his desire has been to mediate between us and his Father at no small cost to himself. It would not be right for us to refuse to give what he promises and offers on our behalf or to say nothing about it. Let me put it another way. Consider, daughters, that whether we wish it or no, God's will must be done and must be done both in heaven and on earth. Believe me, then. Do as I suggest and make it a virtue of necessity. O oh, my Lord, what a great comfort it is to me that thou didst not entrust the fulfillment of thy will to one so as wretched as I. Blessed be thou forever. Let all things praise thee. May thy name be forever glorified. 
I should indeed have to have had to be good, Lord, if a fulfillment or non-fulfillment of thy will in heaven and on earth were in my hands. But as it is, though my will is not yet free from self-interest, I give it to thee freely. For I have proved by long experience how much I gain by leaving it freely in thy hands. O oh, friends, what a great gain is this, and how much we lose through not fulfilling our promises to the Lord in the Paternoster and giving him what we offer him. Before I tell you what this gain consists, I will explain to you how much you are offering, lest later you should exclaim that you had been deceived and had not understood what you were saying. Do not behave like some religious among us who do nothing but promise and then excuse ourselves for not fulfilling our promises by saying that we had not understood what we are promising. That well may be true, for it is easy to say things and hard to put them into practice, and anyone who thought that there was no more in the one than in the other certainly did not understand. It seems very easy to say that we will surrender our will to someone, until we try and realize that it is the hardest thing we can do if we carry it out as we should. Our superiors do not always treat us strictly when they see we are weak, and sometimes they treat both weak and strong in the same way. That is not so with the Lord. He knows what each of us can bear, and when he sees that one of us is strong, he does not hesitate to fulfill his will in him. So I want you to realize with whom, as they say, you are dealing, and what the good Jesus offers on our behalf to the Father, and what you are giving him when you pray, that his will may be done in you. It is nothing else than this that you are praying for. Do not fear that he will give you riches or pleasures or great honors or any such earthly things. His love for you is not so poor as that. And he sets a very high value on what you give him and desires to recompense you for it since he gives you his kingdom while you are still alive. Would you like to see how he treats those who make this prayer from their hearts? Ask his glorious son, who made it thus in the garden. Think with what resolution and fullness of desire he prayed. And consider if the will of God was not perfectly fulfilled in him through the trials, sufferings, insults, and persecutions which he gave him until at last his life ended with death on a cross. So you see, daughters, what God gave to his best beloved, and from that you can understand what his will is. These, then, are his gifts in this world. He gives them in proportion to the love which he bears us. He gives more to those whom he loves most and less to those he loves least. And he gives in accordance with the courage which he sees that each of us has and the love we bear to his majesty. When he sees a soul who loves him greatly, he knows that soul can suffer much for him whereas one who loves him little will suffer little. For my own part, I believe that love is the measure of our ability to bear crosses, whether great or small. 
So, if you have this love, sisters, try not to let the prayers you make to so great a Lord be words of mere politeness, but brace yourselves to suffer what His Majesty desires. For if you give Him your will in any other way, you are just showing Him a jewel, making as if to give it to Him and begging Him to take it, and then, when he puts out his hand to do so, taking it back and holding on to it tightly. Such mockery is no fit treatment for one who endured so much for us. If for no other reason than this, it would not be right to mock him so often. And it is by no means seldom that we say these words to him in the Paternoster. Let us give him once and for all the jewel which we have so often undertaken to give him. But the truth is that he gives it to us first so that we may give it back to him. Oh, my God, how well Jesus knows us and how much he thinks of our good. He did not say we must surrender our wills to the Lord until we had been well paid for this small service. It will be realized from this how much the Lord intends us to gain by rendering it to him. Even in this life, he begins to reward us for this, as I shall presently explain. Worldly people will do a great deal if they sincerely resolve to fulfill the will of God. But you daughters must both say and act and give him both words and deeds, as I really think we religious do. Yet, sometimes not only do we undertake to give God the jewel, but we even put it into his hand and then take it back again. We are so generous all of a sudden, and then we become so mean that it would have been better if we had stopped to think before giving. The aim of all my advice to you in this book is that we should surrender ourselves wholly to the Creator, place our will in His hands, and detach ourselves from the creatures. As you will already have understood how important this is, I will say no more about it, but I will tell you why our good Master puts these words here. He knows how much we shall gain by rendering this service to His Eternal Father. We are preparing ourselves for the time which will come very soon when we shall find ourselves at the end of our journey and shall be drinking of living water from the fountain I have described. Unless we make a total surrender of our will to the Lord and put ourselves in His hands so that He may do all things what is best for us in accordance with His will, He will never allow us to drink of it. This is the perfect contemplation of what you asked me to write to you. In this matter, as I have already said, we can do nothing of ourselves, either by working hard or by making plans, nor is it needful that we should. For everything else hinders and prevents us from saying with real resolution, fiat volatuus tua, that is, May the Lord fulfill his will in me in every way and manner which thou, my Lord, desirest. 
if thy wilt do this by means of trials, give me strength and let them come. If by means of persecutions and sickness and dishonor and need, here I am, my Father, I will not turn my face away from thee, nor have I the right to turn my back upon thee. For thy Son gave thee this will of mine in the name of us all, and it is not right that I for my part should fail. Do thou grant me the grace of bestowing on me thy kingdom, so that I may do thy will, since he has asked this of me. Dispose of me of that which is thy own, in accordance with thy will. O my sisters, what power this gift has! If it be made with true resolution, it cannot fail to draw the Almighty to become one with our loneliness and to transform us into himself and to effect a union between the Creator and the creature. Ask yourselves if that will not be a rich reward for you and if you have not a good master. For, knowing how the good will of his Father is to be gained, he teaches us how and by what means we must serve him. The more resolute we are in soul, and the more we show him by our actions that the words we use to him are not words of mere politeness, the more and more does our Lord draw us to himself and raise us above all petty earthly things and above ourselves in order to prepare us to receive great favors from him. For his rewards for our service will not end with this life. So much does he value the service of ours that we do not know for what more we can ask, while his majesty never wearies of giving. Not content with having made this soul one with himself through uniting it to himself, he begins to cherish it, to reveal secrets to it, to rejoice in its understanding of what it has gained and in the knowledge of what it has of all he has to give it. He causes it gradually to lose its exterior senses so that nothing may occupy it. This we call rapture. He begins to make such a friend of the soul that not only does he restore its will to it, but he gives it his own also. For now that he is making a friend of it, he is glad to allow it to rule with him, as we say, turn and turn about. So he does what the soul asks of him, just as the soul does what he commands, only in a much better way. Since he is all-powerful and can do whatever he desires, and his desire never comes to an end. But the poor soul, despite its desires, is often unable to do all it would like, nor can it do anything at all unless it is given the power. And so it grows richer and richer, and the more it serves, the greater becomes its debt, and often growing weary of finding itself subjected to all the inconveniences and impediments and bonds which it has to endure while it is in the prison of this body, it would gladly pay something of what it owes, for it is quite worn out. But if we do all that is in us, how can we repay God? since, as I say, we have nothing to give save what we have first received. We can only learn to know ourselves 
and do what we can. Namely, surrender our will, fulfill God's will in us. Anything else must be hindrance to the soul which the Lord has brought to this state. It causes it not profit, but harm. For nothing but humility is of any use here. And this is not acquired by the understanding, but by a clear perception of the truth, which comprehends in one moment what could not be attained over a long period by the labor of the imagination. Namely, that we are nothing, and that God is infinitely great. I will give you one piece of advice. Do not suppose that you can reach the state by your own effort or diligence. That would be too much to expect. On the contrary, you would turn what devotion you had quite cold. You must practice simplicity and humility, for those are the virtues which achieve everything. You must say, fiat, volunteer us, tua.